Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray right now, God, that you would bless the reading of your word now as we get into the service and into the word of God. We thank you, God, for the praise and the worship. We thank you even for the time of prayer and intercession that we had here, Lord God, even though it was brief, Lord. But, Lord, we believe that just those few minutes, Lord, of intercession, Lord God, are going to impact our lives individually and the world that we live in right now. And so we pray right now also for the offering that we're going to be receiving, Lord God, whether it's personally through our uh, giving here this morning or online services or mail-ins. Bless the gift. Bless the giver. Bless your people, Lord God, for their loyalty and their faithfulness to our church. Lord God, that it's almost been a full year, Lord Jesus, where we've gone through this, and yet, Lord God, our church has remained stable in every way, and we thank you for that. We don't take it for granted, Lord. So, Father, bless the reading of your word now. Again, I ask for your help as your servant to communicate your word here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Very good. Okay, Acts chapter 27, starting at verse 27, the Bible says this. On the 14th night, we were still being driven across the Adriatic Sea when about midnight the sailors sensed they were approaching land. They took soundings and found that the water was 120 feet deep. A short time later, they took soundings again and found it was 90 feet deep. Fearing that we would be dashed against the rocks, they dropped four anchors from the stern and prayed for daylight. In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea, pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Now we've been looking at this section of Scripture. We've actually looked at or read through the entire chapter of chapter 27 in the book of Acts. I didn't want to take the time to do it here this morning, but we've been breaking this down and looking at certain aspects of it. And we're going to be completing this section of scripture here this morning. And again, we began looking at the section of scripture at the beginning of the year, because just like the apostle Paul was going through a severe storm in his life, I think that we can all agree that many of us individually and for sure all of us as a nation are still going through a storm even today. Would you agree with that? Can you say amen, church? I mean, nationally, this thing is not over. They're still dealing with the controversy over the vaccines and which one is the best one and which one to take. And, and so there's still a lot of controversy, still a lot of suffering, still a lot of death. So we're still in this storm. It still has not uh, come to a close. And I mentioned that just as the ship's crew dropped four anchors to stabilize the ship in the middle of this storm, we as God's people can drop four spiritual anchors to help stabilize our lives in the midst of any storm, regardless of how severe these storms may be. And actually, there's more points that we can bring out in this section of Scripture, but I'm just going to choose four, or I just chose four of them to point out for us here today. Now, the first anchor that I referenced is found in Acts chapter 27, verse 23. And that verse of Scripture says this, Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me. What 
What is this first anchor? The understanding that because of the cross, we belong to God. We have been purchased by God. We are God's people, and the presence of God is with us always. Church, no matter how bad things get, always remember that you are a Christian, you are a child of God, you are blood-bought, and you are sanctified, and you are justified. You have special privileges. You're on your way to heaven. Even though things may get hellish down here, we have good news. We have a good future to look forward to. Can you say amen? And God is always with us, church. He's never going to let us down. So don't allow the enemy to deceive you into thinking that things are hopeless or helpless. No, no. God is with you. And if God is with us, who can be against us? We have the victory, church. The second anchor is found in Acts chapter 27, verse 24, which says this, and said, Do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand, before, you must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. God makes a promise to the Apostle Paul. God tells Paul that he must stand trial before Caesar. Not only is Paul not going to die, but God is also promising that all of those who are on the ship with him will also survive. So the second anchor is believing and leaning and clinging and trusting and resting on the promises of God. Never give up. No matter how bad things look, put your faith in the Word of God, church. Find yourself a promise that pertains to whatever it is you're going through, whether it's a financial storm, a health storm, a relational storm, any kind of a storm. You find some scriptures. You hold on to those scriptures. You memorize those scriptures. You quote those scriptures when you pray and cry out to God. Second Peter chapter 1. Verses 3 and 4 says this, As His, God's divine power, has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him who called us by glory and virtue, by which have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Hold on to those promises. The third anchor that we mentioned is found in the book of Acts, chapter 27, verses 33 through 36. We talked about this last week. Verse 33 through 36 says this. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. After he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat. They were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. The Bible tells us that the crew was so busy and stressed trying to stay alive, dealing with battling the storm that was so horrific that they didn't eat any food for 14 days. And we learned that we too can get so busy living our life. We too can get so busy trying to figure things out. We too can get so busy trying to survive all of the trials and the tribulations and the 
chaos and the battles and the bills that we have to pay, the needs and the responsibilities of our life, the chores, the personal projects, working out, going shopping. We too can get so busy striving and staying up late, watching movies, playing video games, entertaining ourselves with distractions. We too can get so busy that we forget or don't take time to eat some spiritual food. And the Bible is telling us if we want to be anchored and if we want to make it through 2021 and for the rest of our lives, we've got to spend some time in the Word of God. Just read it. You and I may not understand it all the time. Just read it. We need a daily diet of the Word of God. Can you say amen, church? And now the Apostle Paul was encouraging all of them to eat something. And the Bible tells us that three things happened. Three things benefited the crew when they actually ate that physical food after going a long time without eating anything. Number one, the food that they ate provided the nutrients that their tired and weak bodies needed to stay alive. Church, it's just common sense. If we don't eat any food, eventually we're going to get weaker and weaker and weaker, and eventually we're going to starve, and eventually we will die. We have to eat food. In the same way that you and I need physical food to stay alive, we learn that spiritually we need a daily intake of God's Word to provide us with the spiritual food that we need to stay alive and strong in our Christian walk. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. We quoted this last week. This Je- then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. So secondly, firstly, the Word of God, reading the Word of God, it will keep us alive. Secondly, the second benefit of eating food is also found in Acts 27.34. It says this. Let me read it again. It says, Now I urge you to take some food. You need it to survive. Second part. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. The last part of verse 34 says, Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. Believe me, at my age, I'm thankful for every hair that I have left on my head. Believe me, okay? So praise God for that. But listen. Eating the Word of God will give us health and safety. Isaiah chapter 26, verses 3 and 4 says this, You will keep in perfect peace those whose minds are steadfast because they trust in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord Himself, is a rock eternal. There's something something that happens that's good when we just simply open up this book and start reading it. It begins to change our mind and our emotions and our attitude. Proverbs chapter 3 verses 1 through 8 says this, my son do not forget my teaching but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life. Listen to this. They will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck Write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and a good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him and he will make your paths straight. Do not be wise 
in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. So the third benefit or, or the, the third benefit that we get from eating food is found in Acts chapter 27, verse 36. They were all encouraged and ate some food together. <clears throat> it says they were all encouraged and ate some food themselves. So eating food brings encouragement. It brings joy. It brings good cheer, celebration, laughter, enjoyment, pleasure, good times. Eating a meal brings us together. There's bonding. There's time to share. Reading God's Word does the same thing. It builds our faith in God. It bonds us with the Holy Spirit. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. If you want to strengthen your faith, you've got to spend some time in the Word of God. Can you say amen, church? So it encourages us. And this leads us to the last anchor or the fourth anchor that we want to talk about here today. This anchor that we need to stabilize our lives during a storm. In the book of Acts chapter 27 verse 30 it says this. Acts 27 verse 30 and 31 it says, In an attempt to escape from the ship, the sailors let the lifeboat down into the sea pretending they were going to lower some anchors from the bow. Then Paul said to the centurion and the, sail and the soldiers, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. The Bible tells us here that the crew, not the prisoners, not the soldiers, not the guards or the passengers, but the crew, the sailors, the ones who were responsible for running the ship wanted to jump ship. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine being on a vessel out there in the middle of an ocean and in a raging storm and the very people responsible for keeping you safe and for keeping that ship intact and for keeping that ship going and navigating, those very people are the ones that want to abandon ship. That is what was going on in this situation here. They wanted to abandon the ship and the passengers. The storm got so dangerous that they were wanting to sneak away, get away, turn their backs on those who were depending on them to get them through this storm. But the Apostle Paul warned them and said, unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be saved. Now, don't get me wrong. I know that no one enjoys being on a losing team. I understand that. It's part of our human nature. We all want to be on a winning team. And it's so easy to start complaining and pointing fingers when things start going wrong. Would you all agree with me? Can you say amen, church? And things were definitely going wrong. This storm was causing all kinds of chaos and all kinds of ruckus and all kinds of pain. And these people were freaking out. They were panicking. They didn't know what to do. They didn't know who to blame. But man, they were ready to bail out. But church, I want to encourage you here today. It is so important that during a storm, we don't abandon ship. Did you hear what I just said? It is so critically important, no matter how crazy things get in our lives, 
no matter how wild and stormy and dark and chaotic and painful and sacrificial it may be in your life, never abandon ship. Never turn your back on God. When things get hard and challenging and scary and it looks like there's no hope and you're getting all kinds of negative reports and everyone's against you, the preacher's against you, the church is against you, the neighborhood's against you, the media's against you, your work is against you, your dog is against you, don't worry, God loves you and he's with you. Never abandon ship. Never give up. When things get desperate and seem hopeless, Don't turn your back on God and don't turn your backs on each other. Don't start pointing the finger and casting blame and backbiting and gossiping and slandering. Don't abandon or underestimate the importance of fellowship, church attendance, It is so important during a storm to stay together, to partner together, to strive for unity, to worship together, to praise God together, to have communion together, to serve God together. Now, I hope it's just not my imagination, but for those of us that are here this morning in church, I don't know how it is for you guys at home watching this, But when you came in, even if you had a heavy heart or some heavy burdens or going through some difficulties or some stress or some anxiety, or who knows what kind of heavy heart you may have come or walked in here with, wouldn't you agree with me that once we came together as a church body and you started to hear the music playing, and the keyboard, and the guitar. Wouldn't you agree with me that as you humbled yourself and you willingly entered into worship, that all of a sudden, things began to change in here and in here. Because now we began to corporately worship and praise our God in unity together. And when we begin to worship and praise our God together as a body, the Spirit of God fills that place. And we begin to change. It changes us for the better, not for the worse. Listen, if I stay out there and don't take time to come in here to be with you, Even though sometimes you guys irritate me. Even though sometimes you get on my nerves. Even though sometimes you do things that kind of bother me. Even though sometimes you come in here with bad breath and you forget to put on your deodorant. Or you don't take a shower. Even though sometimes you fall asleep while I'm preaching. But there's something that happens in spite of all of that. When we come together and we humble ourselves and we don't focus on ourselves or on other people but we begin to focus together on Almighty God, there's something that happens. And I don't think it was just me, and I don't think it was my imagination. But when we began to worship God in this house, our burdens began to lift. 
our fears and our attitude began to change. It was encouraging. It was healing. It was a blessing. I don't understand it. It's a mystery. I can't explain it. All I know is it happens. No matter how bad things get in your life, never abandon fellowship. Don't abandon the ship. Don't isolate yourself. That's the worst thing that you and I can do in a storm is stay away from church. Stay away from fellowship. We need it more in a storm than we do when things are going well. It's easy to be on a winning team. You're scoring touchdowns. You're scoring a lot of points. You're winning games. You're on a winning streak. Everybody's happy. Everybody's rejoicing. Everybody's bragging. Oh, come to our church. Things are so wonderful. Things are so exciting. But man, things start happening. A storm comes and then what? Then all of a sudden you want to go and hide under a rock. And we can't do that. You know, I hope I don't embarrass you, Rudy, but I'm so blessed. I told you, you keep coming to church, Rudy, and you're bringing your little girl. It's going to change your life, my bro. It's going to change your life. You just keep coming to church. I know you're, you're struggling right now. You just keep coming to church, and things are going to change for the better. It is so important to stay together, to partner together, to strive for unity in the middle of that storm, even though it's hard, believe me, because our emotions are running high and things get hot. But man, when we humble ourselves and we come together and we seek the face of God together, there's power in that church. If we substitute the ship for the church, the Holy Spirit is encouraging us to never abandon the church, never turn your back on the church. Keeping together and staying together and striving for unity in the church is so important. And staying together becomes even more important and critical during a time when the church is going through a storm. The church as a whole, nationally, I'm talking about the Christian community nationally, has been going through a storm ever since this whole COVID virus thing, pandemic began. Remember back in March of last year when they closed down all the churches. How many of you remember that? Nobody was allowed to go to church. No one. And we as a church, we were forced to adapt by streaming our services online. We had never done that before. Never streamed, uh, gone online before. We had no clue what to do. Never done it before. And I remember when we were first starting last March of last year, we only had six to eight people. It was Julie and my daughter Jamie. And Julie and Manny were up here playing the guitars. And I was here to preach. And I'm not sure if we had any. I don't think we had anybody else. That was it. Maybe one more person. I can't remember. Very minimal amount of people. Less than ten people. Just to, enough to keep things going. And we didn't know what we were doing. But in all sincerity, the Holy Spirit began to help us. And along with the Holy Spirit, I have to say, my wife, Julie, partnering with the Holy Spirit is a true hero. Where are you at, Julie? Is she even in here? She's ditching church here this morning. Here I am bragging about her. She's not even in here. What do you think about that? 
But I would have to say that Julie, my wife, is a true hero of this whole situation. Because we had no experience in streaming services, but we prayed and we cried out to God. And the Holy Spirit began to anoint and empower and motivate and inspire Julie. The Holy Spirit began to give Julie insight and understanding and knowledge. It was amazing. It was an amazing thing. i got to be honest with you. It was an amazing thing. And what was so strange is that every time she would reach out to someone that had even a little bit of experience in streaming to help her, we would try to contact some of these bigger churches, some of these churches that, that were already doing this stuff. And we would call them up, and they would say, yeah, yeah, we'll help, we'll help. And then when the time came to help, guess what? No one was there. We were, it was like we were, it was like we were, had some kind of a disease or something. I'm just going to assume that they were busy trying to get things together too. Because it was a real stressful time for all the pastors and all the churches around our whole country. Because of what was going on. You guys following me so far? But the Holy Spirit was there, church. The Holy Spirit was there. And in her desperation, guess what? The Holy Spirit would show up and help her and give her more insight. She, he, the Holy Spirit would speak to her in her dreams at night. Well, she, uh, give her, I mean, she had n- never gone to, I mean, people go to school for this. They get all kinds of degrees for this. They get paid thousands of dollars for this kind of stuff. And here she is, not knowing anything about anything. And the Holy Spirit is just pouring all this knowledge into her about how to run this stuff how to connect these wires and how to make these cameras connect and talk to each other. The camera had to talk to the computer and the computer had to talk to the microphones and the sound system. I mean, this is a complicated deal. And she would, again, ask for help. When she would come to a roadblock, she would ask for help and they would say yes, but when it came time to help, no one would show up. So then she would cry out again to God and guess what? The Holy Spirit would show up again and help her and give her more insight and knowledge. This kept happening over and over and over again. And I can tell you with a clear conscience that I witnessed the whole thing. I got to witness a miracle because I saw personally how the Holy Spirit helped Julie to keep our church services online through Facebook and YouTube. Those of you watching right now, you need to send a thank you card to my wife, Julie. Because if it wasn't for her partnering with the Holy Spirit, you would not be able to be part of what we're doing here this morning. Or we would have had to pay somebody thousands of dollars, which we don't have. So we would have just had church as best as we could and kept going as best as we could. Now I need to give a shout out to one person that did come through for Julie to help her. And that person was Neglet. I don't see Neglet in church here this morning. But he was a blessing. Okay? He, and, and he's still, he's still involved with our team. Now today, we have a great team. We have Josh here, and he's been a blessing. Vanessa's running, helping run the system right now. So now we have a team. Now we have a group of people that know kind of what they're doing and stuff like that. And believe it or not, um, now, you know what's happening? People are calling Pastor Julie, can you help me with our online services, Pastor Julie? And she says, no, forget you. You, didn't, you weren't there for me. No, no, she's not saying that. <laughs> she wants to, but she's not. Now, I got to tell you, church, this is just one of many storms 
that our church has been through in our history. I'm talking about Chatsworth Foursquare Church. I think we're going on 70 years existing as a church. I can't remember. I don't know. Terry Brem would know. He's not here. He's, a, he's our statistician. He knows every single number, every single stat, every single year, every single anniversary, every single birthday. He knows the times that people, he knows, he's got all the stats in his head. But let's just say 70 years. I don't know. I, to be honest with you, 70 years, I'm not sure. Okay? And believe me, in those 70 years, this church has been through a lot of storms. Are you guys listening to what I'm saying here? Okay, a lot of storms. And it is sad to say, but there have been numerous attempts by individuals and groups that have wanted to sabotage our church or to injure our church or to damage our church. Now, the the reality is they get mad at me. Maybe I preach something or I say something or I declare something and they get mad at me, but they want to take it out on the church. Now, I don't know why people get mad at me. I'm so sweet and I'm so lovable and I'm so kind and I'm so such, such a wonderful person. I, I, I just can't even imagine why people would want to get mad at Pastor Jerry. But they do. And they take it out on the church, especially on social media. My gosh, this thing has become like, if somebody gets mad at you on, 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 uh, on social media, you better watch out. You better, you better hide under a rock or something because you're, they're going to attack you. And there's really nothing that you can do about it. We just have to simply what? Trust the Lord, right? So our church has been through many storms, but you know what? God has always proven to be faithful. Even when there was no one around to help us, God was there to help us, church. Believe me, we're not one of these big fancy churches that has all kinds of resources. Man, we're, we're, you know, we're just the small little country church over here doing our best to stay faithful to Jesus. But we must be doing something right because, man, when we get in trouble and we cry out to God, God always shows up. He always shows up. And I have to take some time right now to say thank you to all of our church members Because up to this point, as I mentioned earlier in the service, all of you who are members of this church, all of you that are are part of our congregation, I have to tell you, uh, I'm so thankful and I so appreciate the fact that you you have not turned your back on the church. Maybe, Maybe we don't have the best musicians. Maybe we don't have the best equipment. Maybe we don't have the best facilities. But we have God. We have the Holy Spirit. We have Jesus. We preach the gospel. And, thank God, you have remained faithful and loyal to the church. You have not turned your back on the church. You have proven to be faithful and loyal to the church, even though at times the storm was raging and causing all kinds of chaos, and all of us have, but all of us have stuck together and have not turned our backs on the church. The church is important to God. Not only our little church here, Every single church, from the smallest to the largest, it is important to God. Now, again, I've said this before. To me, in my opinion, which is very, very minimal in importance, God, I believe, has different-sized churches on purpose. Small churches, medium-sized churches, and large churches. And in between, and he does it on purpose. Why? 
because all of us are wired differently. And he knows that we're all wired differently and we all need different kinds of environments in order to be nurtured in the things of God. And it's cool. It's, it's, it's all right. And then that way, when anybody comes before God, because we're all going to come before God one day, and God asks you, dude, why didn't you go to... He's not going to use the word dude, I'm sure. But he's, he's going to probably call you by name and say, man, why, why weren't you in church? Well, I didn't feel comfortable in that church. Yeah, but I had this other church over here, this other church over here, this other church over here. You could have gone there. No one will have an excuse. When we come before God, no one will have an excuse as to why they weren't faithful to the Lord. No one. You better just not even open your mouth. But the church is very important to God. Again, let me say this about churches. To me, churches are like restaurants. You have to go to the place where you enjoy the food. You come here because you enjoy how the food is served here. You enjoy it. Otherwise, you wouldn't come. Okay? Those that don't come, they don't like me, or they don't like my voice, or they don't like my style, or they don't like how we do things, or they don't like how we're... And that's cool. But you got to go to church somewhere. You can't be lame and just stay home and do nothing. You got you to gotta go to church somewhere. Now, I know those of you, I got to be careful here during this season because this is an exception where many people are not coming to church right now because of their health concerns. And I understand that, especially our elderly people. They want to stay away from uh, places like this. They want to isolate simply for health reasons. They want to protect their health. I get it. I understand. I'm not talking about that kind of situation. I'm talking about an overt decision on a person's part to say, I am not going to go to church. That's a wrong thing. That's a wrong attitude. We have to go to church somewhere if you're able. You guys get me? Can you say amen? Okay, so we did a, a Bible study in the book of Colossians where we spoke about this, about God's love and commitment to church. In Colossians chapter 1, verses 16 through 18, let me just kind of review this because I thought it was really good and I thought it was important. So for those of you that attend our Wednesday night services, it might be a little bit of review, but I think this is important about how God loves the church. And how special the church is to the Lord. And why it should be special to you and to me. In Colossians chapter 1 verses 16 through 18 it says this. For in him, in Christ, all things were created. Things in heaven and on earth. Visible and invisible. Whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together. How many of you know that Jesus Christ is our creator? Can you say amen church? And he's holding everything together. Can you, do you believe that, church? Even though we're in a pandemic, God is still holding things together. Can you say amen? He's keeping the, 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 the universe and all the planets and everything in circulation. He's holding it all together. Without batteries, it's just him. Verse 17, he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. In other words, he's the first one to be resurrected from the dead. And he's alive forevermore, sitting at the right hand of the Father right now, so that in everything he might have supremacy. How many of you know Jesus has to be supreme? He has to be number one in everything. In everything. That's another sermon, but we're going to go on. So we learned 
in the book of Colossians that God deals with us individually and intimately because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Anyone here that is a Christian, that is a believer in Jesus Christ, if you are a born-again Christian, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you right now, and the Bible says you as an individual are the temple of God. Individually, we are the temple of God, and God abides in us. However, as soon as we come together for a Bible study, as soon as we come together for a prayer meeting, as soon as we come together for a church meeting like this, where there's two or more gathered in the name of Jesus, all of a sudden, it's not just about you individually as a temple of God. Now, when two or three are gathered, now we become the body of Christ. Now we become the church. And there's power in that gathering that is unique that cannot be found when you're individually by yourself. It can only be found when you're bound together as a body in the church. There's something mysterious that happens. I don't understand it totally. I just know what the Bible says. That when we come together as a body of Christ, two or three or more, there's something that begins to happen. Whenever two or three saints come together for the purpose of lifting up the name of Jesus, lifting up Jesus through the teaching of the word of God, lifting up Jesus through the worship and praise, lifting up Jesus through the expression of, of prophecy or speaking in tongues or interpretation of tongues, lifting up Jesus through the ministry of prayer and intercession and petition. When we do this, now we have gone from just being the temple of God to the church of God. You're not by yourself anymore. You're a group. You are together. You are the body of Christ. You are the church. We are the church. Matthew chapter 18, verses 19 and 20 says this. Again, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. Right now, Jesus Christ is with us. I know we don't see him, but he's with us right here, church. He's here and making himself available just for you in this special gathering place called the church it's a dynamic event that occurs when we come together and only when we come together what you and i do individually and how god deals with us individually that's one thing but when it comes to the church how we conduct ourselves or act or behave in the church is something more serious first timothy chapter 3 verses 14 and 15 says this these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly. But if I am delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. God says, when you come to my house, I want you to come to my house. It's a good thing that you come to my house. It's an important thing that you come to my house. And you get power, special power and, and, and special attention when you come to my house. But you better act right. Because I'm a holy God. This is a unique place. A special place. It is not like any other place found in any part of the world or the universe. The church of the living God. The body of Christ. The church is very precious to Jesus Christ. And if it's precious to Jesus, it should be precious to us. We should never, ever turn our backs on the church. Never abandon our care for the church. 
Listen to what Acts chapter 20, verse 28 tells us. It says, Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. We have been bought. We belong to God. We are precious and we are special. And never forget that. The Holy Spirit tells us here that Jesus Christ has purchased the church with his own blood. Matthew chapter 16, verses 15 through 18 says this. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you. That, that's, this is a, mis- it's a very mysterious thing here. Flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father was in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. So there are two important things that we need to learn from these scriptures here. First, is a word of encouragement because we are part of the church, which is the body of Christ. If we are the body of Christ, if we are one with the body of Christ, then Matthew chapter 16, verse 18 tells us and assures us that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. In other words, no matter how hellish the storm may be coming against you or coming against this church, the gates of hell will not prevail. I've seen it over and over and over again. Not only in your individual lives, but as a pastor of this church, I've seen it over and over. God always shows up when we're in trouble. Always. We're running low on cash. God shows up. We're going through a hard situation and we don't know what to do. God shows up. Now, I get to say that now because I've been here for over 30 years as a pastor. I've been here even longer than that as a youth pastor. And I've seen it then as working with the young people. In other words, the devil and all of his hordes of demons and all the people of the world that hate God can all get together and try to destroy us or take us out, but it won't matter because Jesus tells us that the gates of hell shall not prevail. We are the church. Jesus Christ bought us and purchased us with his blood. We are the church. We are under the blood. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We are the church. We are the people of God and the gates of hell will not prevail against us. We are the church. We are under the banner of Almighty God. We are the church. We are citizens members of his kingdom we are the church the body of christ and colossians 1 18 tells us that jesus christ is the head of the body the church now when i taught on this before in colossians on wednesday night i had to quote my favorite theologian how many of you anybody remember who my favorite theologian is anybody it's mc hammer of course because he says devil You can't touch this. Devil, I belong to Jesus. You can't touch this. Can't touch this. We belong to the Lord, church. Now, the devil can try to mess with us, but he can't touch this. We've been bought with the blood. Of Jesus. It's like that commercial, and I know I've said this before, but I want to say it again. That commercial that says you're in good hands with Allstate. No, you're in good hands when you belong to Jesus and his church. <clears throat> Being or becoming a member of the church, God's church, 
the body of Christ, it is better than being a member of a private club. It's better than being a member of the Porter Ranch Country Club. It is better than being a member of the Bel Air Country Club. It is better than being a member of the Riviera Country Club. It is better than being a member of the Brentwood Country Club. It is better than being a member of the Miami Beach Country Club. It is better than being a member of the Los Angeles Country Club or the Augusta National. Being a member of the church is better than being a member of a secret society. It's better than the Illuminati. It's better than the Freemasons. It's better than the Rosicrucians. It's better than the Knights Templar. People of God, you should consider it the greatest honor and privilege to belong to the church of the living God, the body of Christ. You being here today is greater than any society, any political party, any group of people, any culture, any nation, any power. It doesn't matter. You belong to the greatest entity, the greatest organization, the church of the living God. Don't mess with the church. Because when you mess with the church, God takes it personally. Now, on the other hand, it says in Acts chapter 20, verse 28, it says, it says to you and me, it's talking to the church, it's talking to you and I who are in the church, it says this. Take heed to yourselves or watch out how you act in the house of God or be careful about what goes on in the house of God. First Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18. Well, first, let me read it again. It, Acts 20, 28, it says, it says this. Therefore, Acts 20, 28. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. Take heed to yourselves. Okay? First Peter chapter 4, verses 17 and 18 says this, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. Listen. There's a lot of positives to being part of the church. But there's also a responsibility that God has that when we come into church, He's going to straighten us out. If something's going on in our lives that is out of order, that is not right, God says, I'm going to straighten it out. I'm going to fix it. I'm going to make all the crooked places straight. And I'm God. So it says here, take heed, for the time has come for judgment to begin in the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? Now, if the righteous one is scarcely slave, saved, where will the ungodly and the sinner appear? Mark chapter 9, verse 42 says this. But whoever causes one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea. So 1 Peter 4.17 tells us that judgment begins, begins in the house of God. Mark 9.42 warns us not to cause one of these little ones to stumble in the house of God. In other words, our actions, our posts on social media, if any of those things cause someone to stumble or cause division or cause controversy or cause drama for someone, if, if gossip or your opinion or your attitude or your words or any kind of actions cause drama instead of bringing together, you're causing division. Listen, 
Just remember that Jesus Christ is in the house. Jesus Christ thinks, takes these things personally when you mess with his people. We have to be careful how we talk, how we act, how we respond to situations, how we deal with animosity, how we conduct ourselves when there is a storm. When there is a storm raging in our lives, we have to fear God. Never abandon fellowship. Never abandon the things of God. Never abandon church. Don't turn your back on God or His people or His church. Stay faithful. That fourth anchor, that fourth anchor, no matter how terrible the storm, stay faithful and loyal to the church. No matter how terrible the storm, stay faithful and loyal to the church. Don't allow the enemy to take you out of the body or to isolate you out of the body or to get you into an attitude where you want to reject everything. No, you go to church and you face, you face whatever is going on in the name of Jesus. You face it. You deal with it. You go to God with it. You cry out to God for strength and for the motivation and the right attitude to keep going forward. Because now you're walking by faith, not by sight. You're walking by pure faith because the storm is raging out of control and it's causing you to freak out and panic, but you are going and you're walking by faith. You're dropping that anchor. You've made up your mind. You're going to keep going to church. You're not going to abandon the ship. You're not going to abandon your post. You're going to stick together. There's power in unity. The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. The COVID virus will not prevail against the church. Sin or rebellion or political powers or economic powers or educational powers or any other power known to mankind will never be able to prevail against the church. If you don't want to sink or drown or be destroyed, stay faithful to the church, the church of the living God. Acts chapter 27 verse 31. Unless these men stay with the ship, you cannot be safe. Stay in the church and you will be safe. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we come before you, Lord. And we ask you, Lord God, in these very difficult and scary times that we're living in, we're asking you to help us to keep our focus on you. To not be swayed to the left or to the right but to keep our focus on you. Lord, I thank you. I'm just speaking for myself. I thank you that I can say with a clear conscience, I love coming to church. I love church. It is a privilege. It is, I am honored. I feel blessed that somehow, some way, you have put in me this love for church. I, I, I can remember very clearly, just speaking for myself, I don't know about anybody else here, but I can remember very clearly before becoming a Christian, before being born again, before my encounter with you, I hated church. To me, church was irrelevant. It was boring. It was disconnected from reality. It was, it was a, an embarrassment. It was a humiliation. It was weak. Thank you, God, for that change, that supernatural change that you made in me. Where now, today, I can say I love church. 
I feel privileged to be here, Lord. I feel honored to be here. Even with all the problems and all the heartaches and all the difficulties and all the challenges and all the drama, thank you, God, for the privilege of being part of the body of Christ. If you're here this morning and you say, Jerry, I am not a Christian. I have never surrendered my life to Jesus. If I were to die today or if Jesus were to come, I'm not sure if I would go to heaven. If that's you here this morning, just lift up your hand. You are not a Christian. You have never surrendered your life to Jesus and you want to do that here today. Just lift up your hand, anyone at all. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, miss. Thank you. We're going to pray for you right now. Those of you online, if you're saying, I, I want to surrender my life to Jesus. I'm tired of battling this thing called life by myself. I want to surrender my life to the Lord. If that's you. And miss, I want you to say this prayer with me also, okay? And all of us, why don't we join her and partner with her in support of her surrendering her life to Jesus here this morning. Those of you online that are ready to surrender your life to Jesus, just repeat this prayer. This is a prayer of confession, a prayer of repentance, and a prayer to receive salvation and eternal life and forgiveness. Let's pray. If you follow me in this prayer, say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I come before you and I acknowledge, I admit that I am a sinner. I've messed up in many ways. But today, I have heard that you offer me forgiveness of sin and your love and your acceptance and your salvation. And it's free. Because Jesus, you paid for it on the cross. So Lord, I willingly surrender my life to you. Forgive me of all my sins. Accept me as your child. And I receive the free gift of eternal life and look forward to going to heaven one day. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's give glory to the Lord here this morning. Amen. Thank you so much. If you don't mind, I'd like to maybe meet with you after the service and just get to know you a little bit, okay? Okay. Thank you so much. Father, in the name of Jesus, I just pray for this entire congregation, Lord. Bless your people. Encourage your people. Those that are struggling or going through a hard time, Lord, bless and encourage them. Help them never to give up. Help them never to abandon ship. Help them never to jump ship or turn their backs on you, Lord. Help us all to be careful about how we act and how we live and how we treat people. Bless your church, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray and everyone said. God bless you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Those of you that need any personal ministry, you need any personal prayer here this morning, you feel free to come on up. We'll pray with you. I'd like to go ahead and, and meet you. If you don't mind, miss, I would appreciate that. And uh, the rest of you are dismissed.